and welcome to this week's episode of Midlife AF, where we're going to see me off on my big adventure and talk about quite a lot of different things in this episode, but kind of showing up as our authentic selves, masking, performing, and Yeah, being awkward and being our true selves and really interesting subject matter. Over to me. If you're a woman in midlife whose intuition is telling you that giving booze the elbow might be the next right move, then Midlife AF is the podcast for you. Join counsellor, psychotherapist, this naked mind and grey area drinking alcohol coach Emma Gilmore for a weekly natter about parenting quirky teens, menopause, relationships, and navigating this thing called midlife, alcohol-free. If you're feeling that life could be so much more, that you're sick and tired of doing all the things for everyone else, if your intuition is waving her arms manically at you, saying it could all be so much easier if we didn't have to keep drinking, come with me. Together we'll find our groove without booze. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of Midlife AF. Coming to you from the wonderful Arley Beach, somewhere I'd never been to. And I'm off tomorrow on an adventure with my swimming friends, which I'm super excited about. Um... We're going on a tall ship. It's part of my 50th birthday, Festival of Emma. We're going on a tall ship. There's like 15 of us. We don't know each other particularly well. Some of us know each other better than others. Um, but we we swim in the jellyfish group, which is my big swimming group that I love. And it's a very inclusive, very accepting group of women and I find when we swim it's it grounds us in a way and it allows us to get rid of the niceties the small talk I guess that is so often part of conversations yeah and often it's a lot of the reason why people drink because uh small talk is awkward and uncomfortable and unless you're very very confident it can feel difficult i know i've spoken before about i remember going to my first alcohol free kind of networking event and shana Wan was there and Professor Dan Lubman and a few other people that I wanted to meet but I didn't know how to break into the circles that they were in and so I just kind of like hovered around and then awkwardly kind of almost like asked for an audience. 
Shana, which we've laughed about in retrospect. But I remember just being so kind of like awkward and unselfassured. And awkwardness and unselfassuredness is what I now am beginning to recognize part of all of our charm. And while we're all pretending and trying to be perfect, safe, we're not allowing the world to see our silliness, our beefiness, our humanity. And we've all kind of bought into this idea that we have to be a certain way. We have to have it all together. And uh, I've been, I was just saying, it's funny enough, you know, how synchronicity is. I was listening to a few podcasts on my way over here. One was Glenn and Doyle's We Can Do Hard Things, which I always, whenever I listen to, I always come away with inspiration. And she was talking about the concept of performing and she was talking about, you know, the preparedness of performing and how the difference between kind of like performing and showing up. And it made me think of what I've been learning in the work that I've been doing with Gabo Mate and also in that book I was talking about last week with um, Dr. Shivali, I think Silvery, Subal, I don't know how to pronounce your surname. Um, this character that we create for ourselves to keep us safe, these adaptations, these outside world presentations, you know, how we want to appear. And like our character, our identity, and in neurodivergent terms, it's kind of like the equivalent to masking. So we put on our mask, we put our show face on. And I always remember as a kid, you know, when people come around, there was a certain expectation that you would behave in a certain way when people came around, you know, it'd be like best foot forward kind of thing. And I never really wanted to do that. Like I didn't really want to be, you know, having people in my house and having to entertain people. And I wanted to be on my own in my bedroom with my book. <laughs> and then as I grew older, I realized that wasn't, you know, not normal. And that I needed to be a different way in order to be acceptable. And it's just been really interesting. And then I was listening to a Yellow Ladybugs, which if you guys don't know, is a, is a, a group um, for uh, women and um, women, girls, and gender, gender diverse human beings um, with autism neurodivergence um 
and I was listening to a particular podcast on their podcast show and they were talking about masking, unmasking, perfectionism. And then I was thinking about Brené Brown's definition of perfectionism and it's quite interesting. I was talking to one of my clients about it this week. Bear with me a second. So, because I'm not at home and I don't have my book. So she says, perfectionism is the birthplace of, yeah, shame is the birthplace of perfectionism. Perfectionism is not striving to be our best or working towards excellence. Healthy striving is internally driven. Perfectionism is externally driven by a simple but potentially all-consuming question, what will people think? And I was talking to my friend about this this morning and about how as children, you know, quite often it was that what will people think that drove our behaviour or our feelings about the situation. And I was thinking about how perfectionism is, you know, really covers a, a belief about ourselves. So what the lady, and I'll try and remember her name, who I was, who I was listening to on the Yellow Ladybugs um, podcast was saying, well, that's it. She was called Ebony Birch Hanger. And she was saying, it was, it's, it's a part of masking to a certain extent because it's about what other people think and other people judge us. And if something's not perfect, then it's not okay because it's about the end result, not about the journey, not about the process. It's about sort of the mark. And I remember one of my beautiful clients who I love so much saying to me, it's about, it's a bit like I, and I'm so astute, this woman, she's amazing. She's like, my day is like a scorecard. It's like a great, I'm getting, I feel like I'm being graded and I need to tick all these boxes. And so many of us grow up with perfectionism because that was how we got our validation when we were younger, right? If we did things right, we might get love, we might get treated well, we might get cherished. And that's not because our parents were mean or cruel or abusive or anything like that. Just because they, that's what they had been brought up to believe that, you know, good behavior, good grades would mean that we would be okay in the world. And of course, everyone's terrified of their kids not being okay in the world, which makes total sense. We can have compassion for these things. But at the same time, know that they're coming from a place of fear. And so much comes from a place of fear. Fear of, you know, what will happen? What will people think? How will I be judged? And even, you know, without knowing, in the alcohol-free area, that is the thing that, 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 um, pulls people into drinking again often is a concern for what 
other people will think. And it might not be what you might think that might be. So we might think it's like, oh, are people going to think I'm an alcoholic? I think people are going to think I'm a problem drinker. When we know, like grey area drinking, I was talking to another client of mine who I love as well. So lucky I have all these beautiful clients. And we were talking about grey area drinking. And she said to me, and what's grey area drinking? I said, well, look, honestly, grey area drinking is a word that's used to (laughs) to kind of softly... um, it kind of allows people to seek help or, you know, when alcohol is no longer serving us without having to put a label on it that says I have problems, problematic drinking, or I have, you know, that terrible A word that doesn't exist in reality, but people like to stigmatise people who are, seeking help with alcohol it's like gray area drinking is is a name that we can use because everyone's like oh yeah no I, I relate to gray area drinking because I'm it doesn't mean that I'm you know other different everyone's a gray area drinker but the thing is everybody you know alcohol is an everyone problem it is a and it gets I get so frustrated I was um I put some note on on somebody on Instagrams. I, I commented on something, and it was about they talked about you know people. I, don't, I can't even remember what it was like getting in touch with themselves or something. And I said, "Oh look, this is really what you're saying is really similar to um, working with people who are wanting to reduce their alcohol intake." And she got really defensive and said something around, you know, my. My glass of whiskey is is my self-care. And I was like, that's fine. You know what, like you do you, but let's, you know, let's stop lying about the fact that it's a, I mean, it's not like people say, you know, everything in moderation. Oh, it's all about balance, right? I'm like, is it though? Like, would we say that about cigarettes now? Everything in bad, you know, if I have a cigarette every now and again, can you? Like, should you? Like, I mean, I know should is not the right, but it just makes me laugh because it's like you wouldn't say, we now know, you know, the US Heart Foundation just came out last week and said no amount of alcohol, not even one glass, is safe because it, it makes the blood pressure so has such a big impact on blood pressure and blood pressure is such a and it's like absolutely have a drink no problem but stop pretending it's a it's self-care it's an act of self-care it's an act of self-love it's the opposite of that it's an act of self-harm and that's fine we all do harmful things so i'm not putting myself up on a pedestal at all but I'm just saying, let's stop this. I like trying to make it softly, softly, so everybody can hold on to this idea of alcohol being this salve when it's not a salve. It's not a salve. It takes us away from ourselves. It allows us to abandon ourselves in our distress. Hmm. So that's that. <laughs>
Um, but yeah, I've been having interesting thoughts about uh, different things at the moment. Uh, no, I've spoken to you guys about the problem I have with my narcissistic neighbour. Narcissistic neighbour. Um, and you know, how that's been, when I found that so difficult, this idea of people perceiving me, because one of the things that narcissists do is they kind of spread rumours and untruths about you so that they look like the victim. And it's been horrible because I my, where my office is, I can hear the conversations that the neighbour from hell is having with, like, uh, people in our street about us and obviously you can't run outside and go he's a liar he's making this up uh, but it's really hard to hear and it's really hard when you hear other people being taken in by it and people are like oh well you know there's two sides to every story yes there is but victim blaming is such a huge part of our culture and I found it with the police with him and with other people, it's like, oh, well, you know, you know, I'm not sure who's right. I'm like, well, this guy's done some violent crime towards us and we haven't done anything towards him. So whatever, however the narrative is spinning around what's happening, it's like, it's not, it's just difficult because I just, I know, you know, and I do have compassion for him. I know that. To, to be a narcissist and this is the way he behaves like a child I think to you know to I do have compassion for the fact that at some point he has been very badly hurt as a young child and and is stuck at that developmental age you know so I have compassion for him I just wish he'd stop doing the nasty horrible things to us <laughs> And I really, really hate him kind of like trying to make out that somehow or other we're to blame for those things. And when the police... and then I was realising, why is this so triggering to me? And I was doing some work with my Compassionate Inquiry Gabal Marto group. And I was like, this is so triggering to me. Why, why, why? And first of all, I thought it was, you know, that saying, let other people be wrong about you. And I really, like, I think that's great. <laughs> but I'm learning more and more about um, ADHD and rejection sensitivity, dysphoria, which I probably need to learn a bit more about. Um, But it is a big sensitivity to the concept of being rejected. And that can take, I never thought I had it until recently. And until I was kind of like fighting to be believed in what was happening with my youngest child and fighting to be believed by the police and the neighbours with regards to what the neighbour from hell was doing. And 
and just how dysregulating that was for my nervous system. And I was trying to work it out. I was like, is it because, you know, I don't like the idea that somebody thinks badly of me because I want to make them think that I'm a good person? And then I was like, well, does that come? Oh, someone's ringing me from New South Wales. I don't really know anyone from New South Wales, so we'll we'll let that be. Um, that's not true. I know people from this. <laughs> Sorry, uh, I was caught off the cuff. Um, what was I saying? Oh, I've lost my thread. Sorry, guys. And I was trying to work out what it was. Is it being? Is it? Then? And then I realised it was actually being unseen. It's like feeling unseen, feeling not not seen for who I really am because I don't have a belief underneath this that I'm bad I've never had that belief I'm very lucky in that way um but I doubt there's definitely in something like you don't understand me maybe it's me misunderstood I don't know anyway it's interesting all this stuff is so interesting and anyway I was listening to Brené Brown (laughs) circling back again I was listening to Brené Brown And she was talking about um, how she's changing, how she's shown up since she's had the anorexia diagnosis that she had earlier in the year. And she was talking about this concept on TikTok that the youth of today are using, which is mid. And mid is like, it's not too too bad, it's not too good, it's just kind of like mid. And I love this, and she was saying, you know, that's how I want to show up in the world. I want to stop being so overprepared, everything having to be perfect, not knowing where I begin and where the performing ends. And I thought it reminded me of my journey with alcohol and not knowing who I was because my identity was this, like, gregarious, party-loving, fun-seeking But I used to get really frustrated when I couldn't get other people to come and do the partying with me. It used to be really annoying. And then I realised that actually I wasn't that person at all and actually I was was drinking so I could do the partying because the partying meant that I was the person that I thought I was supposed to be. And this kind of leads me around in a a very long and elongated circle. I just need to check the phone actually because my child was texting me okay I might have to wrap this up in a second um let me just pause it and come back sorry about that it's all family crisis over yeah I was um back to this kind of like idea of mid or just like it being okay, showing up as you are, being either kind of like amazing or terrible, just being kind of like, and Glenn Doyle was talking about, you know, that's what she was going for. Because not only does it mean mid as in kind of like middle end, low to middle end, but it also kind of means like um, in the midst so being present and um, bear with me a second. 
So being present, being not prepared. I, I, I was thinking about how when I was younger, I went, I was, I used to love drama and I used to love performing. And then I got to my work in corporate. And for a long time, I struggled with presenting. And the reason I struggled with presenting is because I was so desperately wanted to get my point across. And I wanted people to think I was clever and wise and I knew what I was doing. And I was, they wanted to see me for how I saw myself as this person who got it and who was, you know. And I cared so much about it, I made it impossible for me to do. Because I could never be what I wanted them to see. Because what I wanted them to see wasn't a real me. And it's so funny now that I am here doing this job, speaking from my heart, very rarely prepared, as you might be able to tell from this very, very sloppy <laughs> podcast episode. But showing up as we are, I think this is so important. Showing up as we are and it being okay to be who we are in our awkward silliness for us to be able to say to people, I'm not drinking. And it not being about us taking up space, us being too big for our boots, us making it all about us, us, you know, having other people perceive us to be different to who we think we are. But it just being in the moment and being and and showing up as we are, you know, saying this is awkward. It's supposed to be networking and socializing and meeting people for the first time is awkward. Breaking into conversations is awkward. It was always supposed to be. Like this never, never was supposed to be different than that. Because it takes time to build relationships with people. But this sort of perfectionism, this idea of what everybody thinks of us is so unhelpful to us. And it stops us from trying things. It stops us from making mistakes. It stops us from being our wonderful true selves. Which is the reason everybody loves us. Like, we don't love people for how fucking perfect they are. Do we? That's the last thing we like. We like their humanness. You know? Anyway, that's enough from me today. Sending you so much love. As you guys know, I've got my virtual retreat, which I'm really excited about. Five days of coaching and transforming your relationship with our call. I'm just going to do some big mindset shifts that are really going to change the way that you feel about things so that you can do things a different way. Because the way we're doing things isn't working, right? Pushing, striving. 
hiding, our emotions escaping ourselves. It's not working. The journey is the journey back to self, to the original, amazing, awkward, strange human being that we are. Have a great week. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Midlife AF with Emma Gilmore. If you enjoyed it, please share on Instagram for your friends and tag me at Hope Rising Coaching. If you want to help me grow the podcast, please review the episodes for me on Apple Podcasts. That really helps. If you would like to work further with me, please go to my website, www.hoperisingcoaching.com for my free and paid programs or email me at emma at hoperisingcoaching.com. Sending a massive cuddle to you and yours from me and mine. And remember to keep choosing you.